Welcome in to the Crash Chords podcast, even though we're not doing a German band, but still, it's far enough. We should have learned enough. Wow, wow. We should have learned how to say welcome in Icelandic. Have you met us? (laughs) This is true. How do you Um, say welcome in Hoaglandic? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I'm we'll get sure to... we can we can find out from them. There's probably a decent dictionary on Hopelandic. I'm sure. Okay. Um, getting right into things, I want to send out a special thanks to Eli August and friends and Painless Parker. Last night at Sidewalk Cafe played a wonderful show, one of the Blackout Night shows, so it was a, a very acoustic set, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a good time. They did a lot of good stuff. I introduced a good mutual friend of ours, Joe Masella, to the bands, and he really liked them. Painless Parker will be on the 22nd of this month. Uh, he's bringing a very special album for us to review as well. So, and he's gonna play some tracks for us as well. In fact, he's working on a new song about the subway system of New York. And how much it sucks. Yeah, yeah. He even has a verse about oh Staten god. Island. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! So we'll see you how you need how to tell me about. That. Wait, there's and, a subway and, system and on Staten Island. And keep me informed. What? Uh, he's he's. You know, working I saw a it. fantasy map because this is what I do with my spare time. I look up fantasy instead of maps. working on articles for the website. Exactly, I look up fantasy maps of what. Certain people would love the New York City subway system to look like if there were ever money and no red tape and no politics. Oh, there's and plenty no of money. They just don't use it. And it, well, they won't use it for that. Yeah, they won't, that's what I'm they saying. They won't allocate it. Yes, and um, supposedly Staten Island would be getting. First of all, they're supposed to revitalize the North Shore Railroad. You probably heard that yeah. old gag that they've yeah, been that's doing. Never gonna they've happen. been doing surveys and studies for like 20 years. Pretty much. And they would wrap it all the way down Richmond Avenue so that it would pass by the mall and then meet with the main line by Eltingville. For anyone who doesn't live on Staten Island, this is totally irrelevant, but I just thought I'd mention it because I love maps. What about what about Yes. Yes, we know you love maps and trains. I'm trying yeah. to visualize. Oh, John's at a loss for words. Moving John on. I'm visualizing it. Uh, that could work. It could. They would call that. Now there's a big problem with revitalizing. They would call and that the West Line, no. and they would call the existing one the Main Line. There's a real big problem with trying to redesign and revitalize the subway system in New York City, and that is the amount of stuff under. That's why the I ground. said infrastructure. If there were no infrastructure, in other words, old pipes that have no usage anymore, steam pipes from like the turn of the century that we don't even and know is there pneumatic tubes when there was a pneumatic tube system that would deliver mail from building to building which they did for about 50 years until they I'm finally still decided waiting for our people pneumatic tubes were better. like Futurama says oh I oh, forgot to tell you guys back. this so Futurama the current season that just started is their last season but oh. towards the end of this Simpsons season they're doing a crossover episode with Futurama no, towards the beginning of the new season oh. of The Simpsons, well, or the final episodes of Futurama. I guess it was kind what. of a matter of time. Right. So this is going to be this generation's uh, uh, Flintstones, meet Jetsons. The Jetsons. Oh, which it could be pretty cool, actually. Oh, I'm kind of excited about well, first it. Of all, I'll Flintstones. watch it. Yeah, me too. Just for the Flintstones and Jetsons the did actually take place in the same world. Let's, we're not getting into that theory again. Oh, God. It's not no. a theory, it's oh, a fact. It's not a fact. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'll get to uh, our rants. In all seriousness, uh, yeah, Steve I had have, a special message that he wanted to just, give out. Just um, on a bit of a sad note, uh, I want to give out a special shout-out to um, Staff Sergeant Michael Aulis, who was a friend of mine 
and went to my school, uh, Michael J. Petridi School in Staten Island, between second grade and graduation. It was a K-12 school, and that's how long both of us went there. We were there when the school first opened, and we were in the ROTC program together, and he was just a great guy. He always wanted to be in the Army. He always wanted to serve his country, just like his father did, and I'm sorry to announce that he was killed in Afghanistan just last week. It's um, very sad news, and there will be a candlelight vigil on Wednesday at 8.30 in Great Kills Park for anyone who wants to attend. Um, my sympathies to the family. Our and hearts go out to the family and friends, and um, it's a shame, but... It still happens. Yeah. It still happens. The war, That's why the I don't war goes on. Yeah. No politics, though. No, no politics. No, yeah, let's not get into any of that. Um, nor are we getting into twerking and Miley Cyrus, because honestly, you already read every opinion oh, on it. What a transition. Ouch. Ouch. Well, one thing bears mentioning, and... Matt brought this up right before the podcast. Uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Oh, yeah, this was neat. So um, MTV apparently wanted them to perform Thrift Shop because, you know, they're all about stupid fun because they're MTV and there's no intelligence left. And I love Thrift Shop. And, Mac- and, and Macklemore and Ryan Lewis refused to do that song because Same Love is their hit and it's an influential song. They said, we're doing the song where we walk. And they did the song. So I give them a lot of credit for that because... A lot of people don't stand up to MTV and get what they want, and they did. But the reason they can stand up to them is because they have no fear. Because what's MTV going to do? Not play their videos? Oh. What are they going to do? Get them fired from the uh, label company? No. Uh, Yeah. No. These guys, being independents, having their own everything, gives them a lot of power. And it's refreshing to see not just a band or a group that is on their own and succeeding in this business, but being able to actually take something back from the corporations and to be able to stand up to them. So more, and more importantly, to them. and more to importantly them. than that, it's nice to see someone who just cares about music and message that much because not everybody does. Yeah, I'm not even that big of an anti-corporation guy, but when it comes to the music industry, it, I feel like they really embody the idea that you know it it is all about the money and not about the art. So if there's if there's a time to to be um, to be self-righteous and stand up, it's probably when it, it's probably this because yeah. musicians need to eat. You know, yeah, it's nice to eat. I like it. I like it. I I'm, a fa- I'm a fan of I'm eating a fan as of well. food. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right, moving into a, our album pick this week. This is Steve's pick, and in his continued fashion of picking things we can't see coming out of left field, Sigur Ross, as far as I can pronounce, is an Icelandic post-rock band. They've been around for a few years. Um, and now, Steve, about a what's post-rock? Oh, dear. I guess I'll have to explain that. Um, post-rock can seem like kind of a vague term at first, like many other qualifiers, like prog rock, like neo-rock, neo-prog rock. <laughs> um, Progcore. Progcore, alternative indie or independent, which doesn't even mean that anymore. It's all silly things, right? Well, there is a meaning behind it, and post-rock was born out of plain old rock and roll, as we exi- as it was classic rock and all that, but it uses a bit more varied instrumentation, specifically in the guitars. It uses the guitar as facilitators of timbre and texture. This is the, this is the wiki quote here, and it's as good a quote as any. Uh, not traditionally in the way that you would expect rock instruments to, um, to use their guitars, mm-hmm. which is, you know, for rocking out and shredding and masturbating on stage, all that stuff, no, this is not a part of post-rock. This is using it as, as, a, as, a, as a setting setter, as I think I 
said a few weeks ago. <laughs> setting center. Yeah, that's a little redundant, but actually kind of accurate. Yeah, um, redundant. So, though. and then, what's the name of the album we're doing by Sigaros? As best as I can pronounce. Yes. Kveker. Kveker. K-V-E-I-K-U-R. Um, it means candlestick, fuse, or primer. We will be actually using more likely the English translations of a lot of these titles just because they are hard to pronounce for me personally in English. We're I have enough trouble with English words. <laughs> so, um, so yes, yeah, so this was Steve's pick, and there is Icelandic post-rock band. Um, there's, we're going to see throughout the course of the album a lot of similarities to alternative, industrial, rock. And that's actually kind of an interesting thing for Sea of Rose, because what I know of them as a band uh, introduced me back in college. They were a lot a lot mellower, I think, in the old days. They were more in the vein of ambient. They used it to, they used that, the same thing I said about the guitars, to achieve an ambient end, which was usually very mellow, and there's even a, a, a joke, you can actually find it on, on the Crash Course Facebook page that uh, Mary Bradley posted, that it's uh, the type of music that girls just love to make out to. Yeah. That's their older stuff, and I don't see that too much in this album. Yeah, that's what it's was heavier. Up. Yeah, it's... this was much heavier and much more melodic. There were even a lot of like, I mean, even some of the creep. There were a couple songs that kind of had very creepy melodies too, that kind of went weird ways that I wasn't expecting at all. I mean, I didn't really have a great expectation for what to hear because I'd only heard a few songs by them. Yeah, let's just say if, if you try to make out to this, you could be thrown. You, you <laughs> could, you could be thrown. Or you might hurt your tongue, <laughs> unless you like it like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you get a little twisted. Something about that Icelandic moaning, though. Yeah, that's what does it. So, we'll get into track one. Um, Track one is the one of two singles on the record, and it's pronounced... Brennenstein. Which means... Which means brimstone. Brimstone. As in fire and brimstone, which I never hear out of the context of fire and brimstone. brimstone. I never do. People just talk about brimstone. This song doesn't really have a fire and brimstone cliche feel No, not really. I will say, well, well, in the intro at least, there is that that intro. It's very gripping and it's got that, that deep rumble in the bass that's probably the lowest decibel we've heard in any album we've reviewed. And it's a good, strong intro track. It feels it feels like it's setting up something. I mean, it doesn't give an overall... It's not an overture. It doesn't give an overall sense of what, what's to come. Not really at all. But for just a strong intro track to what this band does, it's fairly accurate. As far as Brimstone goes, I think this title is a great jumping point on actually how the song feels. The first half... There's a, a really amazing discording beat in it, um, produced by some synth work on top of very... Plotting's the wrong word, but it's really kind of appropriate. You know, I could see how people would use the term plotting to describe a lot of the vocals. Uh, Not vocals, this, uh, drums. Oh, drums particularly. Drums. Okay, The drums were very methodical, very safe and straightforward, but that really discorded... Uh, Synth work is, is it was deep, it was gravelly, it was brimstone. Brimstone brings to mind volcanoes. We're talking Iceland here, you right? They got those. Volcanoes. Because I didn't know what, what word was that I was... about? I didn't Vol- know... Volcanoes. I didn't know... Like, what like what Tinos. Shh, the I Tino didn't... Indians. They had volcanoes. <laughs> i stab you. Um, I didn't know what word I was going to say until I actually said it. No, it's got that apprehension, that, that, that build-up kind of a feeling going for it. 
One thing I'll, I'll say right off the bat is one thing I like about listening to bands where I don't know the native language of what's being sung is that the music, be the lyrics become much more just an instrument and less, it, it influences me less by what they're saying. It's again, how they're saying it, like the, what we were talking about with Justin right. Firstenfield last week, but this is more so because we don't even know what they're saying. And the singing, I mean, the singer has a beautiful, he's a, a um, what's the type of singing? He's a falsetto. A falsetto, that's the word I was looking for. He has a beautiful falsetto, and you kind of notice it right away as soon as he starts singing. When, I first, when I first heard the band uh, many years ago, I thought that it was a girl for the longest time. Which is like, alright, on one hand, it's like, that, that could add to it, the fact that it... He, it shows the you know the sensitivity of the male and like. I, and in this first track, me and John, it, it reminded us much more of the or older stuff, but Abandoned Pools. It had a similar style, his singing to Abandoned Pools' older work. Not so much the album we reviewed as much as the older stuff. And I do sense that. Yeah, it has because um, they both have those great falsettos. I could at least see that when it comes to this album, because there's a there's a stronger band around it. Um, it's not that the that uh, older Rose had didn't have a stronger band, but it's just that they would purposely be very mellow and thin to allow, I guess, that falsetto to be more more of a standalone player. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it, it's not that that's reduced necessarily, it's just that you have more to focus on. The mix was very good, too. Yeah. A lot of bands like this, you could lose a lot in the mix, and this one, you don't really get a sense of that, at least by the first track. Is is it's a very nice mix of everything. It kind yeah. of works really well together. I found the guitar, the very light, strum style guitar, to really complement and and to to speak to what Stephen was saying. It 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 was accenting his vocals. It was keeping it together with that deep rumble that we were experiencing. And with the guitar, it's it, that's a quintessential element of post rock, right there. The very light, tinny. You know, it's it's not meant to show off. It's really just to help in in the ambient uh, the ambient build. At the same time, this track isn't as ambient, like I said, as most of their previous work. If you're looking for an ambient album, this probably isn't going to cut it for you. But it is gripping. It's gripping in a very, very different sense. Um, it's a tough thing to describe, but I will go out and say that it has kind of a depressing air to it. A little bit. It's... it's Depressing heavier with depressing with yeah. like a, a smack of anger to it yeah but it's also kind of got that it's it's depression on an upturn it doesn't feel like it's hopelessness no like not it, at all. there's definitely a sense of hope with with within it and you know I feel that particularly in the melody there's like this yeah. moment in this track which is actually uh, I think kind of defines it for me where he sort of bends his vocals you know down yeah. and up it's like this nice little parabolic shift and it, it's um it provides a lot of character for this intro, I think. It's just when it slowed down, it wasn't bad. I just... The next track, which we're going to get into in a minute, I think did a much better mix going between A to B than this track did. It wasn't bad, but the next track, it's much better. Yeah, the, there was an apprehension building in the first part of this track, but it really... It, it turned very dramatic in the second part. It really was yeah. was releasing, that's, that's but the, that's it wasn't culminating. Yeah. That's the part that I think I was calling depressing in a yeah. sense. It's it's a little bit eerier. It, it, it brought the other bass things. out. It brought the bass out big time. Well, that's the transition from the first half to the uh, second half. Is it brings that bass out, which becomes coupled with this synth effect that gives it that really deep decibel feel, but it kind of flutters. And because it flutters, it almost sounds like if you'd placed a microphone, you know, at the front of like a jetliner. Like, all you hear is just a whoosh of air rushing in. That, that 
you know, where you can't even make heads or tails of anything anymore. It's just yeah. this, this, this whirring sound. Like, but <laughs> that was also coupled with, on, on the flip side, a very high percussion, very frantic percussion work, which was that, that dramatic feeling I was getting in the song. Uh, it did not work as well for me as the A section did, but it was really interesting the way they were, they keep pairing up these very different elements together. Yeah, and the different elements that come in the second section, first of all, is the string backdrop. That's yes. that's very important uh, in perpetuating, in sort of perpetuating the composition of this ambient sound that they're building, because it sort of takes the role that the guitars had previously had in the first section. And then it really shifts gears by moving into a solemn outro where like there's a solo trumpet you can hear where that that's the most prominent effect right. and very light synth backdrop at the end so it it really does take a dive in terms of uh in terms of tone not in terms of quality no but it's just i didn't feel after especially hearing the second track i didn't feel the transition was as strong in the first track it's not bad, but it wasn't as strong as it is in the second track. I think the track, second track. I was still on board with the uh, on board with the uh, transition. I still consider this to be a very strong uh, intro. Uh, but but yes, but that, in, the last yeah. thing I want to say about this track is in in it adds dissonance, which I think is present throughout the rest of the album. It's a good way of explaining it. But this track also, in composition, doesn't feel like a single. The second single no, that we'll get into doesn't. later feels like a single. This one really doesn't. It's the first and the third track uh, on this album that are the two singles, and I I never would have known it if if I yeah, didn't look check. it up. Well, there's there is one argument to be made that this would have been a good single because of as you explained before, this is a very different take on what they normally do. Yeah, exactly. So it's a it's almost Actually, an yeah. explanation instead of a single. Yeah, if you're if you're releasing it as the first single, especially, yeah, it'll tell people here's here's what our new sound sounds like. It's the intro, and it's showing it. Six months early. It's an introduction to the album and to their sound. That's actually not a bad idea. There you go. So we'll that get to the, we'll get to the second single but, in a minute. But first, the second track. So the second track is Hrafnina or Hrafnina. This one I'm gonna spell out. It's H R A F N T I N N A. Hopefully you'll be looking along. <laughs> Which means obsidian. So we're actually propagating this fiery theme because if anybody knows anything about geology, that's one of the ways you make obsidian a lot of heat. Yeah, well known for that. Very interesting. Um, and yet, the intro almost doesn't quite match that to me. It's, it's very, very, it's steady. very airy wind, uh, wind chime intro. Yeah. Doesn't seem to, you know, I think kind of a cool sensation, not necessarily heat. Well, that's the whole well, thing. But, but Obsidian's rock. It is the leftovers from intense. It takes great heat oh, and I then quick cooling. I see what I see what you get. So actually, that fits it kind of perfectly. And okay. It was very steady and methodical. In its composition and in its uh, lower register beat work, but it was oh, yeah. that fractured high chimes that really brought to the forefront the idea of obsidian to me—the idea of fractured, broken, just just little edges here and there—and I love the way that chime really gave that edge work. I agree, and that presents the backdrop really perfectly, and then. There's another element added, which I think is the core of this track, and maybe even the core of this album whenever it returns, and that is the brass section. It starts building in the beginning of this track, almost menacingly, but it provides this very open air sensation. Like, when you just hear, you know, steady brass, you almost think like a, like a, like the rocks of Scotland or something. Well, actually, why go to Scotland? Why not go to Iceland? Iceland yeah. is a pretty rocky place. I feel the landscape there. I feel the, the geologic nature. Iceland is a very 
geologic place. There's a lot going on there. There's uh, a lot of uh, activity going on underground. That's actually where they get most of their power. And yet, I, I see the landscape. If anyone has ever seen uh, a picture of Iceland, you do get kind of a lonely sensation. First of all, just because of the location of the place. It's in the middle of the Atlantic. And you should get sort of a cool sensation, countered by the geothermal heat from under the ground. It's really a remarkable place. There's nothing quite like it in the world. And I sort of felt that landscape in this. And the brass is responsible, I think, for bringing that to the table. It provides this nice open-air sensation. Because it's not, it's not belting the brass. It's not, you know, shouting a quintet like in yeah. many other cases where you hear brass music. It just kind of smooths out. It adds to the nice ambience tone. of the track, yeah. Yeah. It's not percussive brass. Yeah. And that that's great point. I love that. It was a really good explanation for the brass section. And you're right. It really does a great job of airing out the rest of the instruments. But at the same time, I did have some issues in this track. And it was specifically some of the more sporadic elements that you were adding to this song was kind of pulling me out of this airy nature. It it was a short little burst of, of synth uh, notes that were really, it was breaking up the song, and these musical tones, I felt, didn't add anything to the song itself. I agree. Um, then when it comes to the sections of these tracks... Um, I almost hesitated to consider this the kind of track where it's actually like a verse A, you know, ver chorus. It's really more of an A, B, C, D kind of structure to me. I, I mean, yeah, the, the, a lot of this album didn't really have a clear verse-chorus structure. In fact, uh, there was a round, there was a lot of A, Bs, there was a lot of A, B, A, D, F, C. Yeah, there was a lot Not of... a little bit, but it was, they weren't, they, these aren't as much songs... In the traditional sense, as pieces, they were a lot more closer to pieces. pieces yeah. yeah, well, because after all, we're taking the the lyrics here and melody simply as a melody. We're taking it simply as as, as another instrument. So it feels sound. more like a, a, a especially piece, especially because of the way he sings. You know, he doesn't sing in a very personalized man manner. He sings as if he. you he, It's well, very you could just it's, you it's could just, just line up a bunch of instruments and then just drop his face one in between like the lineup. It's very. It's much like the actual brass section. It is open. It is airy. It is long. Yes, that's that's a perfect comparison. I think um, I think that's probably what he was trying to echo with that brass section. Um, you know, th the thing about these sections, though, is it is easy to sort of get lost in the transitions. Now, this is one of my favorite tracks in this album, but I, I, I want to play devil's advocate here and propose that certain transitions can sometimes seem a little bit abrupt. Sometimes it's uh. One section may not feel as flushed out as the second section, or vice versa. There's a little bit of clutter here, but at the same time, it sounds thin. And I know that's kind of contradicting myself, but these sections seem to contradict themselves. Yeah, I mean, but also for the style of this album and this band, for the sense I'm getting of it, this seems to make sense in the context no, of post-rock. No, it does. Rock. It definitely does. And to be honest, I, I think To it's, make it more forgiving. The ambiguity that I was feeling in this track, I think, was very much intentional. I think you were supposed to feel very ambiguous listening to this. As a whole, I, that's the funny thing, is that this track... I feel like you're only the second track in the album, and that yet I feel like you were dropped into the middle of an epic. Like, the climax of an epic. A very important section. And yet... It's almost a little bit early for me to accept that. 
Right. Like, there needed to be more build-up. I will say that there is a full theme in this album, which I'm not going to reveal yet, but there is <laughs> a <me>? reason. No, <laughs> not to you, because I want to talk about it a little bit later when it really struck me. But there's a reason for it. I think that Brimstone is the the setting, and Obsidian is more of the storyline. Okay, I buy that. I mean, I can see that if you can if you can imagine a storyline which already has somewhat of the stage set for you, you are already aware that there's a bit of a of a depressing vibe, you know, in your main characters. There's already a cloud hanging over their heads. Then. Almost I think a, it, then I think it does make make sense in context. Um, almost a desolate nature. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot of loneliness to this track. Uh, a lot of that is complemented by the the string melodies that that are brought in in what I would call the the section C or D. It's it's a but, little bit hard to place. But it's a different kind of lonely, loneliness. It's not a loneliness like alone loneliness. It's loneliness no, in no. a crowded room, I feel like. It's an inner feeling of loneliness. Maybe it's because there's a lot of stuff going on in this But track. that's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. So it kind of feels like you feel alone even with others around you. It's kind of an internalized loneliness. And we do have to it's talk an about... abstract approach to this, but... There, uh, there's one big thing we have to talk about in this track. Forget Forgetting all this loneliness theme work, the outro... Yeah, yeah, I was just getting into the outro. Oh, boy. Okay, this is one of the best outros on the album, and I, yes. I, I, it does bookend this track quite well when you consider the Windchime intro and this very cold outro. It almost seems like we've we've taken a, a dive. This is the the rising action, but yet stuff is getting more tense. Yeah. Um, almost and as more, if more ice solid. is breaking under you and you sink into the cold. Exactly, and it almost feels like you're about to remain here for quite some time. Yeah. That's not necessarily true considering the tracks that follow, but at least at this moment, I was really digging the uh, the, the setting, as it were. It's a solemn brass, brass quartet. Less so, I mean, sorry, more solemn than we get at the end of Brennenstein. This is almost like a funeral. This is like a military, military tribunal kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Like, you, you picture someone talking over an audience of mourners, yeah. saluting somebody. And I do have to say that, emotionally speaking, considering what I said at the beginning of the podcast, I... You thought of this, that. It was echoed in this track, in Absolutely. this section, particularly. Right, and that... And it, I it mean, makes, it, it, it's, it's moving. Yeah, and also... It's I mean, inherently a lot, moving. A lot of music also can be, what's on your mind, you'll find somewhere to put it in what you're listening to. And that's a universal thing, I think, also, uh, at least... Between the brass and the connection that we associate yeah. to military, I mean, yeah, the absolutely. horn has been used for thousands and thousands of years in armies. Yeah, so, bugles. Yeah, for sure. Either to rouse or to lament. Yeah, absolutely. Um, getting to a more positive-sounding tone, we have track three, which is pronounced Isyaki, which is iceberg. And uh, this was the I'm second. Sure I- Iceland is is no stranger they have to. No, they have knowledge on it, I would assume. <laughs> um, so uh, this song is the the other single from the album, and this one is a very standard pop track, very catchy. It kind it's the only it's... one that really has a verse chorus kind of feel. But at that same uh, time, I would challenge that. Yeah. This is not really a verse chorus kind of feel. This is what John was mentioning before that you know we have a lot of uh, types of. 
form form structures in this album, and this he mentioned round. This is okay, the round track. That. Yeah, there, it's really element. one section that repeats itself, but with Very varied good. instrumentation around it. The the reason you're you're latching onto that the formula that pop is going to be in the vocals, the high high register vocals we're working with here, the high high synthesized flutes. To some extent, we'll go and on. and the strings really do come back and uh, very reminiscent of early J-pop. To be to be honest, they they have that sort of feel, that sort of tone that I recognize from J-pop. Well, me, me and Steve both said that this song was also very reminiscent of stuff we've heard by Phoenix, which is a French band, right? Yeah, uh, yes. Well, you got to remember, you got this big high register contrasting beautifully, in my opinion. With the percussions, the deep synth beat, and the the bass, I mean, it was incredible contrast. It does contra- it contrasts, and yet I, I I mentioned that the melody feels like it fits like a glove. It does. Like I couldn't imagine it being like it was almost predictable, but not in a bad way. Like that's well, what you expect. Around. Yeah, it is yeah. predictable. Well, yeah, that's true. It's supposed to sort of bring in the audience, but it's predictable not in a bad way because you're doing this kind of round to draw people in. Exactly, that's and it works really. Why well. rounds exist? Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to alienate people. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I saw um, a little discussion that me and Steve got into it about the the idea of a mathematical approach to music and a scientific approach or a more artistic approach. And to sum it up, this is this is what I came out with. When you talk about other genres such as jazz, the perfect example, it's a culinary experience. There's a dash of dish of this. There's a a, a dollop of that. It throws elements in there. They might have thought it through, but it's a very flavorful variety you're working with here. This album is more of a chemistry set. You're trying to make something, and these guys are master chemists. They really know how to combine tones together. They really know what would work. They know when to bring those violins in. It's less of feeling and more of just the mathematical knowing of it. And I was a bit on the fringe with this uh, with this topic that he's bringing up because on one hand I feel like it's true, but yet I, another piece feels like it's another part of me feels like it's very split between these tracks. Some tracks do feel that way, and yet other tracks do feel very artistic. To be honest, I'm going to stick with the track two, Obsidian, on the artistic side. I think that fulfilled that very much for me, at least. Um, I saw the the culinary work at play, not the chemistry, um, and yet. In this track, I guess you could almost be on the friends between both of them because, yes, it is a pop track. It is a single. Um, it's pop for post-rock, which right. I still, I mean, it's probably my favorite kind of pop if I'm going to pick a pop track. Right, but it has those influences that you can't deny. The exactly. pop is there. Exactly. Um, but you could go either way with that whole, you know, chemistry or culinary oh, kind yeah. of thing. It's it's artistic in its in its... In its effort to reach out to people, but also to introduce something new, because it's not something everyone might hear every day, but it's sure I got something that you can latch on to, something yeah. that everyone will well, recognize. Well, this whole album is very engaging, and I mean, there are, there are even quite a few standout moments that just kind of jar you. I mean, even in the next track... I won't say the whole album is engaging, there are holes. No, of course. Yeah. Even though I brought this, this is there's a few here that I, even I am just like, you know... This is the tendency, I think. Even starting with track one, you could tell, you know, as I said before, they're bringing in a much heavier sound. And the problem with that heavier sound is 
you know, it's, it uses like a lot of synths, a lot of strings, and they seem to want to, you know, smash so many instruments together at once that it can sound a little bit cluttered, which bleeds the ambient effect into noise rock. Yeah. And noise rock, for better or worse, it can fulfill the same ambient touch. It can also hurt it. It can also hurt it by leaving you in a sea of, of anonymity. You don't know where you are. You don't know who you are. Right. <laughs> It's um just a, uh, something I would pose, but that's only in places in this album. And Isyaki is it's almost silly to mention this now because Isyaki is a very straightforward track. It There's is. nothing ambiguity ambiguous Go, here. Going into track four though, which is Can I try this one? Sure, go for it. Yifferborth. I'll go with it. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> which means surface. Now this is uh, the first three tracks were Almost eight minutes, more than six minutes, more than five minutes. This one's actually one of the shorter tracks on the album. Not the shortest, though. Not the shortest, but four and a half minutes. This is much clearer cut. It was a lot more it, to the point, this Yeah, song. this one progresses. Because of its shorter frame, it progresses a little more quickly than what we'd been experiencing. Because of that, and also because of the... The introduction, which really felt like a love song, if I were to compare it to anything. Hmm. I really did not know how this song felt in the scheme they were creating. Yeah, I started to lose track of flow of theme here. The theme was getting difficult to follow at this point for me. I accept that with theme. At the same time, it's called surface, so maybe it's supposed to be a little bit less... Well, that I think it's supposed to be less ambiguous. Um, but to be less ambiguous would imply that you have to have a more specific theme. Yeah. So, but it, I, I'm defensive of this musically, to be honest. It I, does I, have a nice settling. Well, I don't have no issue with the track. I just thought by by uh, name alone, I didn't really understand the connection. But I mean, the tra- I mean, all of the tracks on this record feel fairly connected within well, consi- what they're trying to accomplish. I agree, and just consider the placement of it. I mean, we're followed. We're following Isyaki here, which is more of an anthem than anything, at least in, in terms of the round structure that they use. It's supposed to rouse people, bring people together. I feel like this is a very easy to s- song to sing along to. Yeah. It's almost not a build-up, it's just up yeah. the entire time. Um, but but composed marvelously between you know each and every round and what right. they use. This is a bit of a cool-down, yes, but I still feel like... You needed a cooldown at this moment. I don't know. Maybe I just, I just was zoned out to it. I was I was engaged in this track for some reason. At times, the melody would feel a little bit muddy. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but it does experiment with the backdrop, and it's a very sad track, to be honest. It is. You got, you, I think that's you, where I uh, related to it most. You got, you got very much this sense of sadness... Um, that desolation we had earlier wasn't back in full force, but it's peeking her head. And and this does have a great build-up in the middle of the track here. Even though the track is short, it, it well, has a great build-up section. Yeah, The surface gets broken. Yeah. To, but, be, to be punny. But for me, the, the, the thing that really stood out about this track was the last five seconds. <laughs> this creepy outro. Oh, brother. So, whenever, so the thing about this all, outro... Okay, can I do it? Wait. The thing about an outro like this, and it's very common in a lot of rock music, is it's almost sounds like reversed audio, and it's also distorted audio in another language. So when you do that and twist language that way, it sounds very creepy. Slowing down also. Yeah, and there was a speed change. I think that's well. really it, it was kind of it was on the the most basic of levels. It was sort of kind of almost like this, and that's it. 
Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, no. it went up and <laughs> it down. Was a bit. Disregard John. <laughs> if I had a that's uh, usually uh, a rule for an life. auto tuner built into my throat, I might be able to do something like that. But yeah, it was, it was just weird. Like listen to this track when I was driving home today. It was like on the way to the podcast. It's like oh, this song. Oh, it's not bad. I kind of like this. What the hell? You know, it's jarring enough. That you really, it, it's hard to pass up that yeah. soundbite without wondering if there is a, a meaning to it. Uh, without without no. begging there to be a meaning to yeah, it. There of is a meaning to it. This is a case where we probably should have looked up the lyrics. No, no, no. I not think the this lyrics. is a case a where it, for where, the use of it. What is that? The next song. Well, alright, I'll let you take this because I'm not sure I would buy that off off. Offhand, I guess, but you know what? State Tra- your case. Track five is Stormer. 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 It's spelled like my last name Storm-er. with U R at the end, and it just so happens to mean storm. Shocking. This was another pop-sounding track. Yes and no. I did like the work of changing up the percussion, Tom uh, Tom's drums, and if I'm not mistaken, a little bit of chime work built into there. It was nice having a little bit of everything on the percussive side. It had great layering of these ethereal, drawn-out string work that contrasted well with this percussion work. It it really did represent a, to me, a conflict. I don't buy it. Okay. No, I don't buy it. This I I've 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 thought about this track several times over, and I I just don't. I'm not a fan of it. This was a pop track, yes, but without the character of Isiaki. Well, yeah. If, the only, if there were only if there were two pop tracks, pop sounding tracks on this album, I would just say those two: Isiaki and Stormer. And that's where my nitpicking starts too. Yeah, it was extremely predictable. And I think for that reason, this is why you know, typically the two pop tracks are the ones that you make singles. Yeah. And in this case, it was it was one pop track, which is a good pop track, a creative pop track alongside a showcase of their newer, more thoughtful material, which is Brennan Stein, the first track. This doesn't fit into either category. For for this band and for this type of an album, it felt very formulaic. It was a letdown, to be honest. They tried really hard with this. Look, this is the reason why I don't buy that um, that case of yours, where you know where the last track fits in no. context. In context, Cons- I'm saying it was a conceptual idea that I don't think worked. That's that's the big part. It did not work because of the way this form was. Uh, the this song was was structured. I called every breakdown five seconds before it was happening. I called every tonal change right before it happened. It was very, very predictable. Yeah, I, I, I did as well. And, you know, it's also a little bit repetitive. Yeah, some people might consider it a nice a nice beat, I guess. There's sort of this little chime that just kind of repeats this ding, 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 ding. goes over and over and over again. It kind of is the theme of the song. It's like, yeah, there's many other tracks while, on this album, but it, it gets grating for me. Yeah, me too. It got, yeah. just got tired and repetitive. And I'm sorry, but with a band like this, when, when it was in the round, like Kizyaki... That that kind of repetition I like, but a repetition like this when they're doing so much with the other tracks, it just seems it's just, boring. It's prominent enough in that track that they're using that as the hook. And the fact is, we've had four tracks so far prior to that. This is that the all had mark on the all album. had very creative hooks to them. Yeah. Each one of these four tracks had something, even if it, though it's a little bit ambiguous in Year for Borth, I I I did 
find it. I, I felt the hook there. But also because that was a sadder track, I didn't need as much of a hook. They right. were it was more of an introspective this track. Song for the and this mid- is why I don't buy where um where track five stands. Because you're going from introspective right back to the top. Right back to this very carefree sound. It's like I wanted to be immersed in this in yeah. this world. This, this pulled me out of the loneliness. immersion. Yeah, yeah, it pulled me out of the immersion of the album, absolutely. I I agree with that completely. I just think that they could have done so much considering what they'd already showed me in four tracks this fifth track just was kind of a letdown comparatively I liked it initially when I first heard it but upon a second listen it just didn't hold up to what I thought it was the first time around and you know what I, I've I was on the fringe the first time around and you said you enjoyed it but the outro for this track for Stormer is it it's got that it's a trope I'm gonna come out and say it it's a trope the piano the sort of cheapish piano and upright yeah. or spin it sound it made to sound as if it's in the empty auditorium i feel like we come across this all the time especially and doing it, ambient ish albums exactly ambient ish yeah or or even post-rock post-rock borrows alternative borrows everyone loves to borrow this to the point where even regular pop music is borrowing it because people hear that and it just seems to spark something in them or at least it did when it was new when when it was um, kind of a fresh and bold idea. I think it can in this still particular now, but case, it depends on what it's paired with. Well, that's the thing. I still think it was nice touch. It's probably one of the only things I could say that really did grab me in Stormer. But, yeah. but it is a cheap shot. It Let's is. face it. It it was a courtesy. It's, yeah, and if we're going to call out other pop music for worse tropes, we should also call this out, you know? It's yeah. just... It, it was there. I mean, it, yeah. yeah, you're right. Because I had, I had been a little bored up until this point in this particular track. And then, it was just a and then I'm followed boredom of, you know, repeating injury with insult. You know, a yeah, little bit Yeah, it was just like a meh. But, um, but then we got kind of a different... We got yeah. a different take on... Um, on uh, on this was the next track, track six, which title is track, the title track, Kvikur, 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 Kvikur. Yeah, interesting, interesting thing here. That little, that little you, because I had been saying Kvikur, you know, yeah. up until now, and then I looked it up, is trying to understand the pronunciation, the IPA, and all that, and the U is is should sound as if it's like, ooh, you know, okay, but it's weird when you have that R at the end, yeah. so it's like ur. <laughs> So, Kvikur, Kvikur, sorry, Kve. Once this, again, once again, this on Wikipedia was specifically defined as Candlewick. It's that Candlewick fuse imagery. Yeah. Uh, six minute song, back up to the long stuff. It was a re- reintroduction of the industrial tone that was first introduced in Brimstone. Yeah, you got a sense of that here. It even reminded me of some of the more industrial-sounding Nine Inch Nails songs I've heard in the past. Right. It kind of had this kind of more aggressive feel, almost. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we're kind of back to Brimstone here. It's 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 menacing, in a way, Yeah. Uh, which industrial loves using, because there is kind of a menacing nature to industrial music. Right, and the idea that this is candle wick and making it imposing is... Th- I think the idea of holding a, a candle barely burning in the darkness—that's where the—that's uh, where the ominousness, ominousnessnessnessness comes from. Well, it was yeah, a heavy distortion with the bass and the guitar. That that it was the same sort of heavy, and in the I have to say the guitar and the bass actually were a little more clear cut instrumentally than they were in Brimstone, and I think that kind of detracted it for me. It didn't have that mystique anymore, that, that shrouded nature with these very familiar instruments. I think you hit the nail on the head, and that yeah. was my problem with yeah. this track. It was, it's, felt... it's, it was it, 
it definitely beats Stormer, I suppose, in terms of complexity. It brings back a lot of that other stuff, but it brings back a lot of that other stuff. It's it more doesn't of the really same. add much more. We don't need more of the same, especially yeah. for us when we don't understand the lyrics. This is where I entered that problem when I was playing Devil's Head Advocate earlier, and that's the, the introduction of noise rock. It's it it can be appealing in a certain setting. Um but you need to be prepared to sit in that setting for a while. Yeah. You can't you, you can't break you can't get bored, you can't break And it. this track was no slouch either. It lasted a while and it was just one of those things where especially for a title track, you expect a little more and for it to break the mold again. Well, it was okay, you have the guitar and the bass significantly more prominent than you normally do. You have those really deep heavy drums they've been using throughout most of the album. Uh, with the very high chimes and it was this that and the other thing again but they just tried so fast so hard so much you couldn't pick out anything um and I won't go that I won't go that far but yes it is a little bit cluttered I don't want to I don't want to detract from it too hard though because I still think this is a fairly well oh, put it's together still a good track. track it's just it, it's more just about the experience of it as, yeah. as, as as in its place on the album I think alone we wouldn't be talking about any of this stuff no uh, if for we sure had not but at this point in the album like I almost would have liked this to be more towards the end then maybe I would have been a little more forgiving but I still felt it was too soon to hear these same themes again perhaps but at the same time there's a much bigger shift uh, coming in in the track to follow because uh, I think that's where the well actually I'll hold off for a little bit I'm gonna call it Kvaker I'm just gonna say that it's it's soundscaping at its best and at its worst simultaneously because soundscaping can really turn a lot of people off soundscaping is is isn't about hook at all necessarily no it's about setting a scene exactly setting a setting 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 (laughs) setting setter um but the funny thing is that we've already had our setting. Well, set. I must, yeah. Our setting has been set. How can you set it again? Yeah, that's. I think that. There? I think that's why it felt so redundant is because it yeah. was trying to go. Hey, let's set another set scene, but we're setting the same scene. So why are we yeah. setting it again? Whereas, uh, like, yes and no. There was. It was a. It wasn't as oblique, so you could say that this no. is a more of a focusing on what the scene work was before. You can make that sort of an argument. I'm not going to make it too fervently because it's. Not the best of arguments, but and it is there. It's a stretch. There. It's a stretch, though. A little bit of a stretch. But there, there is one thing uh, that I thoroughly loved that a lot of these songs have done. I love the ending of it, once again. The outro. I agree. They that, do some really great outros. I was just about to mention that. It was the almost chorus, thunder. It devolves into the... You know, thunder is one way to put it. I, I sort of felt like it was coming back from below ground again. I felt like this beast from beneath kind was of effect to it. Was bursting through the surface. Say, yeah, say it, was, that, it was a growl. That vol- volcanic idea and brimstone's breaking through once more. Hey, exactly. There yeah, that go. could be it. I mean, that, and that's actually hey, kind of a good way to put it. it kind of like some theme is starting to show up in this album. <laughs> Don't <laughs> well, be I mean, so smug. Well, let's face it. Uh, we did, we, whenever we choose to do uh, uh, foreign music that has lyrics we can understand, um, which this may be the first case. We haven't done a full album until Because uh, the last yeah. far, quote-unquote foreign music that we took was him, which was all in English. Right, and actually right. But I mean, I've mentioned Rammstein on the podcast before and done a few articles on them. And, and Psy as we well. Talked, we talked, yeah, about We Psy. talked about Psy. Yeah, these are all very, you know, for, these are the things that, you know, make it to the big leagues and everything. Right. Well, right. Not, not that Sierra, actually Sierra Rose is very popular. And, um, and they do amazing well. concerts, I've heard. The other thing about Sierra Rose is... Um, their manner of performance so it makes me think that a lot of these soundscaping tracks would uh do better in a live setting much better in a live setting i think for for one thing uh when i mentioned that post-rock tends to use you know alternative forms of guitar work in order to uh in order to achieve that setting 
one thing that Rose is known for doing is play, using a bow against their guitar. Which, which I, okay. I've seen that before, and before, that's kind of awesome. Before I even listened to the album, it's I was a, it's on a, it's YouTube. Screechy though, yeah. not. I gotta say, I was on. I was on YouTube. First thing I saw was a live concert. They opened up. He's there playing, and I was just like playing the car, the guitar like a cello, right? Well, no, he was holding it like a guitar with the long. Like, oh yeah, it had oh, to be a two right. and a half, three foot longer than normal bow. It was <laughs> ginormous. It was almost. If not bigger than a cello bow, it probably had to be kind of a strong bow because you consider that guitar, all the string, the strings are not arched. In other yeah. words, you can't play. I mean, unless you're playing the, the 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 lowest string or the highest string, you can't play one at a time. If you're trying yeah. to get the middle strings, you're going to be playing them all at once. They're the going to be blurry. The bow was curved. The bow was curved. It right? had. It looked like it had a slight curve in it. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Um, that's something I thought I'd mention because. Um, you know, but that actually this, leads me to something game. that we're not going to get into now, but that I may want to talk uh, about on a future podcast, because this has come up before. Bands that sound great on CD, but even better live because of the experience, the energy, and the well, style. Well, there's even bands I know of that actually stink by comparison to their live shows yeah. on CD. Yeah. Because CDs can't... Like, I was talking to Eli August the other night about this. His band's live performance is so engaging and so endearing that on CD you just don't get that same sense of emotion. It's there, but not as palpable as a live performance. Well, you know, this is one of the reasons I, I, I threw a question in my interview of Godsticks uh, a few weeks back, whether they preferred, you know, meticulousness over over improvisation and yeah. whatnot, because there's something, when you're in the studio, a lot of it is very meticulous work. It's about the perfectionist at play when you're trying to to get that exactly the way you want to sound. Right. And for a perfectionist, you can really achieve wonders. Um, but if you're not a perfectionist, if you drive your energy, you know, from if you drive your energy from energy, period, from the energy yeah. of being on stage and working off each other and sort of being sort of spontaneous in what you do, then live is going to be your your element. You yeah. just and, you just made my chemistry versus cooking argument right there. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, if I'm not mistaken, Gustix was a split Two decision. metaphors meet and have been. But let's let's hop, hop back into the album. So track seven. Raf Strummer. This is the one Rastrum. which I'm... I'm which means... Which I didn't means even try with this one. Oh, that's more Germanic. Well, this is track, se- track seven. This means electric current. Interesting. This was... A lot more approachable it had this as far as the sound goes because it was very familiar. It had because this kind of sweeping sound that was very engaging. Yeah, it was very... A sweeping it was sound. A lot more <laughs> simplistic in its ideas. It was, it was, it was very much listenable. Very On, much listenable. Well, we I hate about, all these terminology. No, I'm going to go with, it, with the emotion about, here and I'm just going to say it sounds wait, content. We talked about some ambient music and either you love it or you hate it. It's really hard to find... Middle ground. All right. Because this this is the middle ground. Because of that, it lacks greatly in its quality. It lacks it lacks depth, right? Yeah. Because it's it's there's something about being content which isn't very engaged. I mean, yes, all right. Everyone loves wants to be content, but even when you're content, you want to accentuate the happiness there. Usually with something a little bit more energetic, like right. for instance, what you get in uh, in Isiaki. but. And even to some extent in, in Stormer. Even Stormer had that going for it. Even though I wasn't completely down with the track itself, it seemed kind of predictable. But it was it was rousing in a way. You know, even in its in its innocence. But this was just content. This was just there was very little there was, it was no hook. It was baseline. Baseline, yeah. I yeah. mean For them it was, it's, in this album. 
Yeah. It and was... also, maybe it's the fact that they blended that with the sameness of the brimstone-type instrumentation. It's like, the, it's like they did try to merge the two sides there. And also, after the fact, looking at the last two tracks, like, this one just still doesn't, doesn't hold up. The last two tracks are so much better than this track. Because there's so much more to them, or at least some intricacies that make them stand out enough. Well, amidst my defense, I think it's just the fact that the noise rock um, element had officially turned the tide for me with this track. Yeah. It, it officially became, a you know... There's, there's too much clutter to uh, it's static. Yeah, it to, was, to, it, to incite anything. Yeah, it just wasn't good enough, honestly. Eh, I can't say good. Like it's it's still good. It's just it wasn't it's not, great it's enough. It's not inspiring. Yeah, it wasn't great enough then. Well, it clearly we don't have that much to say about this track. So let's so. move on to something unpronounceable. So I'm not even going to try. Blaprather. We'll try. We'll go with well, that. Fair enough. Track eight. This one means thin thread. So I like it the defining one. thing about this song, and you kind of thing here, and you hear it pretty much from the beginning of the song, is a very interesting drum line. The the stutter drum beat of this song the, is very different. The it starts kind of Doppler effect running away from us that the that the the percussion is setting up the the synth percussion is just really intriguing. It's part of that Doppler effect, and then it also occurs with, like, the second section of the song, when we move into this, um, eh, it's sort of a chorus, if you could really call it a chorus, section B or C, whatever you want to call it. It's, um, it, it, it's sort of defined to me by the percussion in, in, in the background, which just, it sort of follows a little bit of a round, and it's sort of this hemiola, which is that ratio of, you know, three to two, where you get that, it's a, there's a beat on the second beat, and then a beat on the first beat, and then a beat on the fourth beat. And by the time you get to the third measure, you're repeating that cycle. Second beat, first beat, fourth beat. And on each and every beat, you have this little 16th note rapid fire, you know, wait, wait, wait. It's kind of a cool effect. It was a really cool effect also because... It's almost simple, but you'd notice it after a while, and it keeps you... Engaged. It is the hook. In this case, the percussion takes the hook. And it's like, it was almost a marching beat, but because of that stutter and that quick... It, it kind of engaged you and pulled you forward even more so. This it's like a transition coupled. from menacing into marching in this track. Yes. And this this was coupled with a sweeping, rising, and falling guitar that was sine wave style, going up and down and just raising you up, bringing you back, and strings with some of the longest notes we've heard on this <laughs> album. Yeah. It was an incredible effect of... Fast, mid, and slow that was all brought together, all maintained together with the vocal work. And it was an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, this was actually a very well-rounded track when I think of all that it had accomplished. Um, even the band comes in to sing to help sing the chorus for yeah. the first time to join the lead singer. Which uh, sounded which lovely. Nice that it makes, really that makes this more of an anthem than the previous ones that yeah. I, I mentioned had an anthem style. Yeah. And then, this kind in, of game- on the same note, you balance that anthem. with When you go to the transitions... It's really mellow. Like, actually, especially toward the outro again, you have the, again, outro is almost, almost the, the best parts in this album. Yeah. And it's, it's so mellow, it's like, you're, it's like someone's laying you down to sleep. Yeah. Either that or laying you on your deathbed. And that, that, almost, that has a very, uh, you know... A, bit a, of a darker tone that this album has had sprinkled through it. Exactly, but this defines it a lot better than other tracks. My biggest problem, I think, with the album as a whole, and we can get into this a little bit now before we wrap up with the last track... Yes, I agree that it's great that the intro, the outros are so good. However, I don't. I also don't like 
that the outros are so good comparatively to the rest of the track. I agree. I think that I shouldn't have to wait till the end of a song to be ultimately, penultimately engaged. You know how it's like when we talk about certain elements of music, just, you know, if it's if it's the vocals, sure, if it's a, a particular instrument, if it's the drums, sure, but they tend to come back in these, in these, the sections in between sections, the transitions, the intros, the outros, the interludes, all the places that are supposed to fit in between your theme, and they almost function as the narrator to some extent, yeah. not really the story itself, and it can be disappointing yeah. when you realize that you like the narrator's voice better than the story he's telling. Yeah. And I felt that with these, with you know, the sections Absolutely. where the brass comes in. That, it's like I loved the brass, and I didn't get as much of it on. And it was album. almost like, fleeting in some yeah, places. I, I was very optimistic when I talked about that in the beginning uh, of this review, but it, when I think about it, it doesn't come back as often as I think. It hurts it, this record. It right. really does. And, and that that should have been the al- the album's soul. That should yeah. have been part of the story uh, internally. On a very basic level, it's comparing it to that Robbie Williams thing that we always talk about, where you bring in this flair. In the during the song and do nothing with it. This they're bringing in this great thing at the end. Even though the rest of the song is good, bringing in the best at the end. It's a little bit like that. I won't say it's so divorced no, as, no, as of if course. like a courtesy. In fact, the only thing that I think is is uh, comparable to what you're talking about is that that piano courtesy. Yes, the piano, the entry. Right, that's the, the most extreme point of it. But it's still, it's like waiting to the end of the song for it to hit its high. I mean, it, there's nothing really wrong with that, I guess. But it's just it seems kind of fleeting in some of the songs. At the same time, I also want to defend the art of it. It could, yeah, of it, it is probably, you know, it's a result of the, their ambient side. Yeah. Where, even though they're post-rock, they're not like a lot of other post-rock bands, which really, you know, they try to maintain the verse chorus, or at least maintain Some their sections. Of it. Um, and that's the wrong way to put it, because it's, like it's not like this band is divorcing that. Yeah. There are definable sections throughout this, this album. The problem is... It doesn't feel like they're they're as invested in those sections. Yeah. They treat those sections as ambient music. Yeah. It's like if you carved up ambient music and just made th- certain sections slightly more prominent than others. And in speaking, this case, that's what they're doing. And speaking of ambient music, let's get into the final track on the album, VAR. V-A-R. Which means was or shelter. It actually has two separate meanings. And so this song starts with a very strong piano intro that's got that haunting ambience that you kind of expect from some from from the post rock that I've heard about and it seems like something that's kind of always there well Which first is let's perfect. talk no no it's perfect for the voice I agree yes I do uh, couples I do with agree. the voice we'll beautiful get to that in a second first I just want to discuss theme here when you consider all the track names that we've gone through here you get all of these images of, of violent acts of nature the storm the the brimstone I have an explanation Okay. I'm gonna do probably mine too, but sure, I'm gonna do my explanation. Do this this album is the this is the history of Iceland at its core. Brimstone track one. I'm gonna use their English names to better explain it. Brimstone is the tumultuous creation of tumultuous tumultuous creation of the the island with its heavier beast and discord and kind of erupting feel it has. Obsidian is that steady cooling down phase with the hard edges not quite off the off yet. It's it's the most basic rock. Iceberg is the shaping. It's got those high vocals but with a very deep deep percussion 
that that has a, a contrasting core nature of, of solidity yet outside edges. True, we do owe most of our geography to the Ice Age, the way it carved up everything the way it is now. Track four surface is that that smooth final uh, finalization of, of the island, of of this homeland. Storm is people showing up, being thrown here, being being forced to live here. Candlewick, or Fuse, is the taming, which is why it harkens back to Brimstone. It is the people fighting with this new home that they have, with Iceland. Electric Current is the tamed world. It is their society building up on itself. Thin Thread is their connection in a variety of ways to the outside. And Voss was slash shelter is home. A settling. I'm very impressed. Yeah, by how by how you took that all together, I, I probably would have stumbled through that a lot. I'm glad you've been keeping tabs. Yeah, so it's um, a very solid explanation. If, if, if you're correct, I'll owe you a coke. <laughs> I mean, the reality of it is also we have no language to back this up with, other than the glimpses of what we've been able to piece it together. So we can. We, be- we omitted looking at the, look, uh, reading the lyrics for this particular album because, of course, there is a translation. Um, but. And they don't go in Hopelandic. This is not their made-up language. This, is, uh, this album happens to be all in their native Icelandic. But when you're listening as a foreigner, we try to treat it as the way most foreign albums would appear when they crossed seas, which, of course, you have to take it at face value. Yes. And if you don't understand the, the language, then the music has to uphold that. I mean, on the most superficial level, most people didn't know what Gangnam Style meant until months after the song had fizzled out because you, you bothered to look it up. I mean, uh, it essentially I, is equated to a... I don't even remember. It's essentially equated to a Beverly Hills kind of style. It's the same idea, this posh living style, which is why the video is so ridiculous. Oh, wow, that all clicked. Amazing yeah. how it clicks, right? And yeah. just like the way John read that through, and it seems to all click. It because makes I, I hear that sense. in every single Absolutely. track here. And if There's, that's what they're going for, it honestly gives it almost as strong of a theme yeah. as Paper Chase. And I, I was it pre- really does. I was pretty close in my imagination of especially considering the theme work of var which is what we'll close on here it's it is home it is you feel like you've gone through all this strife and then you're finally left with your 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 native iceland it's, it's, it's honestly a beautiful culminating track that really brings you in and like i and also i will pull the the trope from you know the piano and the yeah, empty auditor, yeah, I will pull that in this case because of the way it's stated. It's this is not to thrown be. in at the it, end of a pop track oh no. for no apparent reason. This, this fits the track. This does it wouldn't be fit. complete without something like that. I feel. Yeah. That ambience, almost haunting feeling, of settling. I mean, although when you consider you know the storm of people settling here, actually John almost almost puts it in perspective. Yeah. The piano at the end of storm. You know, people yeah. settle. And as soon as people come here, they have to make it home. That's their only recourse. Yeah. It's the second, the first night you're there, it needs to be your home because you're going to be there the rest of your life. So it does make sense in in context. It still, does. musically speaking, I still think it was a little bit of a courtesy for the end. Right. of Right. And I mean, theme. But, we've we've said before, yeah. theme doesn't always forgive quality or sound or composition. Right. Now, but it does strengthen this album yeah. a lot. Var is also a waltz. Very, yes. very, very slow waltz. It's is very. Um, something to point out it almost makes it seem even homelier than that because yeah. it's you know <laughs> have fun and, <laughs> and while haunting is still an, a very good word to use for var uh you can also say things like comforting yeah yeah well also the it's, haunting comes from it's it's a slight 
creep, but it's still got a, a very heavy, warm blanket kind of a feel to it's it. It's because of the slow bowing on the strings but, but that, I'll, that achieves that. But I'll say the haunting lens, too, when talking about shelter, this is almost the first day of the rest of your life. That's a big deal and kind of a little scary, so it should be a little haunting. Kind of? You know how many romantic comedies have ended with first day of the rest of your life that was only bittersweet? Yeah, so it's or just... Or musicals? The, I'm gonna make it. Boy, I'm gonna make it. But that's it. So that I haunting... Hope. That, that hauntingness <laughs> oh God. adds to that kind of feeling. Yeah. And no, I think really solidifies it's really it. Appro- appropriate. All right, so let's start to wrap this up. So I'll go first. Yeah, I was going to say, John, since you have a, such a clear vision of the theme, why don't you get I us mean, going? I mean, Mr. It's, Smart Guy. To some extent, it's a concept album for the world. I mean, it's all about creation and the taming of, of Iceland, I guess. We really can't go into too much in the actual theme if, if the Just if interrupt vocals. really briefly. Also, your analysis of the theme of the album really lends to your uh, scientific argument. Yeah. <laughs> it really okay, does. Yeah, don't thank it. You. Don't it, it don't. So anyway. And the, the whole thing is, you guys did half the talking for me on trying on me making these connections. We don't have the lyrics to back it up, but there's just I feel these emotions flowing through it that really give it an incredible concept. That being said, it it's not a hundred percent. It's not even close to a hundred percent. Tracks five, six, to some extent seven, and to some extent four, right there, four, five, six, seven. They're good. They do have a lot of complexity to them. They fall a little bit flat compared to the higher end that we're working with here. It just didn't really do it enough for me to really throw it up into the above four range. And also keep in mind, when you have three to four tracks on a nine-track album that don't really hook you that well, that's a big difference. There are also the shorter tracks, though. Yeah, they, that's true. They just didn't go through those same there's, sort of... There's less for me that that um, that really didn't grab me. Right, but... But, but it, it's those four that really are the sore thumbs for me. Now, conceptually, beautiful idea. Presentation, not... A hundred percent. Not a, not adequate. I'm going to make comparison to Boards of Canada because they're the other ambient sound we did. Now, Boards of Canada... That I brought. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shocking. I'm sorry. I prefer rock and roll. <laughs> Boards of Canada you was... You kids and your crazy music. Quiet, Grandpa. From the first chords, Boards of Canada was just gripping in, in its complexity. Yeah, it was ridiculous. There was uh, so much going on. And it wasn't just that. There was there was heavy theme work, and they were shorter. They were more contained. Because of that, well... It's a concise statement, because uh, the composition was a lot thinner in Boards of Canada. It's like they didn't need to try, yeah. you know, to achieve yeah, that I end. F- I found it to be more intimidating at the same point, because of, of how grand the, uh, the ideas they were presenting. Well, this one is... Doesn't, doesn't have a grand nature per track. It is grand... In, th- in in full album. It's good. It's really good. It's still not even a four. Three, seven, five. It's really above the rest, but it, it, it's, it's got some lacking elements that make up too much of it. For me, so I'll go out right here and say from the beginning, it's not really my tastes. I didn't dislike it, but I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to this. That being said, up front, also, 
on the first listen, I had a lot of trouble clarifying my emotional connection to it. Again, lyrics really can help a lot with emotion. As we spoke about in him, some of the songs sounded very romantic, but the lyrics were anything but. So I felt a little lost. On the second listen, I was able to kind of focus, and us talking it out helped me focus on it uh, uh, um, also. Um, however, I did like it. You know, I mean, on a second listen, the first track... Um, Brimstone, because I'm not going to bother pronouncing the Icelandic versions, because I'm a tool. Um, <laughs> um, the the didn't have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I said it for you. Um, it just it it was really engaging. It really pulled me in. And I don't really think I got that feeling again after track three. There were moments on the last couple of tracks where I did get it, but the beginning started so strong, and then the middle kind of. Wasn't bad. I agree with John, and I don't even think I'm as harsh on it as John is. But it just didn't live up to what I wanted, you know, based on what I was hearing early on. The la- the f- however, I will say the theme is very strong on this. Probably the strongest theme we've had since Paper Chase. You're welcome. However, that's also not enough. We've for had me. strong themes since Paper well, Chase. But I'm saying so. this, I think, is closest to Paper Chase for me, hmm. just because the way John described it really kind of works almost. Perfectly, especially based on how we listened to it and how it sounded. Um, I really love the single. This is one of those cases where the two singles are the tracks I really like, and that doesn't happen a lot. But when the singles are my favorite tracks, to me, that's that's a negative on a record. Because if the singles are the best tracks to me, why the hell would I buy the record or listen to it? You mm-hmm. know, And that's not their fault. Again, it's a little out of my taste range, but it hurts it for me. Because, what, again, when the singles are the strongest tracks, for me, it pulls it down. So, that being said, I think I'm in the same vein as John. I think I'll bump it a little bit and pull a Steve and say, I'll give it a 3.9. It's not 4, but it's not 3.75 either. It's a 3.9. If those outros were elongated and more part of the song and they did more with the rest of the song in the vein of those outros, I might have liked it more. But that's also more to personal taste. Yeah. So, 3.9 for me. Very interesting. You know, the gap between 3.5 and 4 is actually really wide. <laughs> yeah. When I think about it. That's why I went right in the middle. Yeah. Well, we've said that. That that the earlier... The, the 3 to 4 range is the most... The, is the vastest. Because 1 to 3 is almost pittance. Compared to 3 to 4 and then 4 to 5, which is even larger. <laughs> One of the three. You can do music. Yay. <laughs> Good for you. Pretty much. Okay. Um, that's actually a good way to put it. <laughs> One to three, you can do music. Yay! I Yay. like that. There you go. Anyway, shake that. Top. Before well, let's uh, let's get into your review, Steve. Go for it. All right. Well, I'm gonna go out and say, I can't really say that this is my taste. Or I don't even want taste to enter into into it really, because like, you know, taste can be kind of broad even within the ever so vague areas of ambient music and post rock. Right. So. Even as soon as I picked this up, I wasn't entirely sure what I was going to get. I am a fan of older Sierros, but even then, it would sometimes be a chore to listen to it on an album scale. I, I, like, I like engagement. And it's not... The, uh, this might have even been a little bit more engaging than their previous work, but just as John was saying about Boards of Canada, it wasn't as thin, it wasn't as concise. I can't say that it was as... as organized, as as true to the original meaning, you know, as some of those. So, when it comes to this, 
I'm not as negative on as many songs as you guys, but it's true that there's a few which I have issues with. I'm not 100% on board with, like, most of the tracks in this album. The one that I'm really not on board with is, is Raph Straumer. I just don't think that it was a very, uh, I just don't think it contributed much to this album at all. The rest all contributed something. I, I'm positive of that, but I don't think that they flushed them out to their full potential, in my opinion. Some did. I'm down with Brimstone. I'm down with... I actually love Hrafdina. The second track is, is one of my favorites. Um, Isiaki is a wonderful single, and I'm still very defensive for it. So actually, this is very early, early album heavy for me. But by the end, there is definitely a sameness. There's that noise rock feel. It just kind of blends together after a while. You're you're looking for something to grab you out of the darkness, and it doesn't really do that with full force until Var, the last track. Uh, bless Prov third track, track eight. eight. Oh yeah, track eight does. I mean, it, it's it it even that is almost like a summation of all the good parts. Mm-hmm. It's not as you know. Here's a really really new thing. So. This all, but but also because of the theme, I have to, because of the theme work that John describes, it's it is a full, a fully formed idea. Even that, I, even the throwaways still sort of fit that. I think just on musical, on potential alone, I know that this could have been flushed out into so much more. For that reason, I am going to put it just behind. I'm going to put exactly where you put it, uh, Matt. Three point nine. This is just shy of a four. It, it needed a, a little bit more of a, of a full, filled-out idea, yeah. if that makes sense. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that yeah. we can all agree that it just had one... It just it just fell a little short. Um, for an overall wrap-up, I'd say definitely listen to it. If you're, if you're a Seagros fan, buy it. If you're anybody else, listen to it. Don't miss this, because it's still worth hearing, hands down. But this is right in the middle. This is a listen. In it, it, its it gets, ultimate review, wrapped up, listen to it. You know, definitely check it out. Don't miss it. Yeah. If you're a fan if, of, of post-rock and ambient, <laughs> hopefully both, then yes, this will be right up your alley. Yeah. But, I think it's the variety know. work that gets worked into here that the different noises, different sounds, different different takes, there's a little bit of pop, a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit of industrial. There's a couple of different themes working here. Yeah, subtle variations. You know, when it really comes down to it, this is, um, I think we ended up grading this a lot more, uh, scrutinizing the artistic side, yeah. I think, because it did seem, it did seem to promote John's theory that, yeah. that the, all the scientific components were there, but you didn't always feel, you know, the resounding art yeah. in, in every single statement and every single phrase. It really only occurred in glimpses. The rest is just a backdrop. And speaking of art, and speaking of everything that's been going on the last couple of weeks, I've I've had part of an old man moment recently. I'm getting frustrated with social media when I go on social media and all I see is people complaining about Ben Affleck playing Batman, which I just don't care, and and Miley Cyrus. I'm not, I'm not saying that the issues that are brought up aren't important. I mean, yes, there were a lot of racist, harsh stuff that happened with the Miley Cyrus um, uh, performance, but we're not getting into that. I refuse. However, I just... It's not music, important. Music used to mean so much more. And even I, even when I was still in school and getting out of school, 
there was a lot of talking of cutting funding of music. And I'll be the first to say that I, w- I want to talk a little bit about how music is important to me and how important it is in education. Music breeds creativity and creativity breeds intelligence. You, it's very difficult to be intellectual without being creative. You can have one without the other, but they they bleed together so well and... It's just so dumb to cut funding to that kind of a thing. And also, when you read about uh, artists who have accomplished great things, it often is because of some kind of exposure. There's not, there's, it rarely occurs that there's just the spontaneous burst of creativity when you don't have any anyone to talk to about it, anyone to teach you, anyone to guide you or to inspire you. If you don't have that in your life, then it will probably not happen. My, my biggest problem with the music industry today is a lot. so much of it, like the entertainment industry and like movies and TV, is it's become more about being famous than being talented. And listening to music at a young age, I mean, first of all, just watching my own nephew and niece grow up, we introduced them to so much music when they were younger. And of course, it's music geared towards kids, but it's not just sounds and lights. It was stuff that's still supposed to get them moving, get them up and dancing, get them thinking. I think it's because a lot of kids, you know, you, you have to rely on school. It's your only outlet in yeah. many in many ways. Because not, you know, not we can't expect every single parent to be in the creative profession. Some parents have, you know, day job, jobs, white collar, blue collar, things that don't permit them to, to always be on the cutting edge of everything creative. But yet they still want that for their child. So... If, Any if they good can't get it wants that for their exactly, if you can't get that at home, then you know hopefully there's some other way to get it. Right? Why should you always have to shell out a lot of money for for independent one-on-one teachers when the public school should at least offer something, a spark? And the problem is that our education system, at least in the United States, is geared towards fact uh, fact repetition, not towards critical thinking. The, the best component in creativity is the, abil- the ability to think critically, to actually question things. This is a major part of, of the creation of all forms of art, especially music. You have to be able to think outside the box. You take a beat, you, you, you start going bump, bump. What you do with that from there is outside the norm. I mean, this you, takes us back to that Vsauce video that we watched ages ago, Will We Ever Run Out of Music? That's right. And it's like... It's it, it you you can do so much with the basics and still make something no one's ever heard before, but but it requires creativity. You you remember, I know both of you have seen it the, uh, acapella eight bit, uh, um, video from that high school, where they're doing all this this that, mashup of that uh, high school. No, from well, from one. a high school they were doing a mashup of. You know, Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda. But they were all Mortal saying Kombat. it. They were doing it full acapella. It yeah. was it was a great idea. You've seen plenty of uh, drum lines from college doing, you know... Uh, no, I've seen acapella. Legend of Zelda. Yeah, college, I mean, our acapella things. group did great things. They're, they're combining old school video games with uh, the flair of what schools are producing musically. And that, that brings me to another thing. I love drum lines. I love big bands that you get at... You know, Notre Dame game. Well, it instills the sense of rhythm. If you have no other source for sense of rhythm, that's one thing that I shouldn't always cross over. You know, you need a creative touch because some some children are intuitively uh, rhythmic. Um, that can sometimes come just straight from the woodwork. You know, you, you can't always plan that kind of thing. Right. But for sure, a band, you know, a band line will help facilitate that. If you're forced to keep in time for a while, you're not going to be able to miss it. You're not going to be able to avoid uh, keeping in time, which is a necessary thing for 
most musical effect. Unless you're doing ambient. <laughs> but the, reason, the reason I bring these things up is that while, yes, they're great for a distraction for a couple of minutes because you get to watch them on YouTube and it's enjoyable, but those kids really thought outside the box. They thought of something. And they took two things, three things they love, brought it together and created something. And it's, a sh- it's, it's terrible because music programs, among the ver- huge variety of programs, are getting defunded. Everything's getting defunded. But music gets hit incredibly hard. Well, because our culture, at least in this government, is convinced that the things like science and math are more important than music. And I disagree. They're not. They're all important together. It's one. Actually, it's all or none. We have a quite a large turnout of science and math people who, who you know, they love science. They, they love math. They love they're very good at it. They they excel at it. They're having problems in the jog market because they don't know how to how to sell their skill in a manner that has an applica- a, a very niche application. Cuz sometimes you just the creative spark offering offering the world something that does not exist as yeah. opposed to simply a slot that needs filling, you know, which most of those cases it's already been filled. If you're going to offer the world something new, you need that creative touch to throw into it, which is why I actually love the uh, the Vsauce blog because yeah. most of the videos that, that guy's he he throws in a creative spin to every scientific question that he poses. Yeah, and and it is inspiring in many ways. It, it makes helps you make sense of the world around you and and conceive things that you wouldn't previously conceive of. Yeah, I mean, I think I I mean this is more of a discussion and event than anything else, but you know, it's just. I want there to be more pressure on music education because I think that's where we'll get our ultimate creativity sources. That's well, true. You said you heard, you know, that they were, this was in discussion going back to the '90s, right? When yeah, you were absolutely. in school, so sure. yeah, and the discussion persisted into into uh, the 2000s, and now I know of several schools where there's no funding for music at all, or right. art programs, or theater programs, or anything of the sort. Like, I mean, well, that's because. Uh, Schools specifically geared in the high school and junior high level towards the arts, towards the musics, are becoming the, the, the place where you actually go to. If you want to be a musician, if you want to learn how to play the sax, you better hope you get into an art school. And, if and you want to be a dancer, you got to hope. And you're not even going to take classes. vocational. You know, and I'm not saying that are. there's anything wrong with specialty well, schools. Well, no, there those is are a problem, problem wrong with the, those. On the other the problem side, is they that don't teach you science. It becomes only the creative side. No, I was gonna. I was that's gonna that's, I was that's gonna, not true. I, I disagree with that. I, the the thing that I was gonna pose is that it requires that you have to know what you're doing early in life. Yeah. Like when you graduate eighth grade, you need to go into a vocational high school. I I didn't know what I wanted to do in eighth grade at all. I mean, I most yeah. people, almost every single person I know, has not known what they wanted to do in eighth grade. I mean. And to l- limit somebody that way and focus one to the other end, one way or the other, it can hurt them. They're de- developmentally especially. Yeah. I mean, some people... Granted, that there is a, a flip side to this, and that's that our generation tends to take uh, immensely long to, time to figure out uh, what you're going to do with your life. And actually, I think we had that discussion um, many, many weeks ago on the podcast. Like a much earlier episode, we talked about um, deciding what you want to do, ideally before 30. Yeah. But the thing is, it's, we live in a much more complex society. I think that's why we should give uh, we should give this generation a little bit more leeway, not not excessively so, but just enough leeway that they should know what exists in the world and know yeah. all 
the capability, all the possibilities that are out there. The internet speeds things up, but as as much as it speeds things up, it also presents more. Oh, it's and more and yeah. more. The the, the 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 amount of consumption we have on a daily basis now is going to slow us down as well yeah. as more informed. So you us. can end up you can end up picking just one field, and yet there'll still be any any bazillion of applications you of, of slots you could fill within that field. Yeah, at the same time, and it's it's internet's reason that this has happened. People don't look for the information because, well, it's there. If they need it, they can just look it up. This, so this, why should they know things when they have the ability to know it when they need to? Which we talked about when we did our technology discussion very early on. It's saw, just, it's he, just this. this he, one one <laughs> thing that's been going. Sorry to interrupt. No, one it's thing fine. that's been going on. I'm seeing, uh, and it's on the comedy websites and the random stuff like that. People don't know the Titanic was real. They thought it was a movie. How stupid are you? And I don't care. Oh, I, don't, I don't care. If you did not know that, if you go, oh my gosh, someone just told me Titanic. You're a moron and should be drummed out of our society. <laughs> and meant to live on an island with the rest of them. Because... We do not all hold John's views. <laughs> I, I don't care. I judge people. Fair enough. And the reason Fair I enough. judge people is because I have expectations. Of course, we should all have expectations. But at the same time, where should most of that come from? That, that's, a, that's a simple historical event. Where should that come from? The school system. Yes. Every single school system should cover certain time, things like that. I, people who know things, who understand things to such a degree, but lack the adaptability, the creativity, and the critical thinking to actually expand upon it and to take what they know and you know, try to understand it on a deeper level... Like someone knows, oh, we're doing this, or gasoline is going to run out. But nobody thinks, well, what happens when gasoline runs out? And that's that creative flair. What do you do to try to solve a problem like that? If you can't think like that, that's another problem I have. That is not meeting my expectations. But but in, in closing, more or less, I mean, the thing that I really want to get into... Well, we ain't closing yet. We ain't closing. I got more to vent. Well, I mean... You vented. I didn't vent. So right. then talk. I mean, where are we going with this? Well, it's, first of it's all, a compilation. first of all, I wanted to talk about something you were saying, John. That when it comes to, you know, a, a, a mention like that, the Titanic, you know, that's a simple historical event. Obviously, the school should teach it. And yet, the fact that that particular case, and yes, we do find them online and in blogs altogether, where someone will post, oh, I, I thought that was a movie. Well, you really think that that's because the school didn't teach the Titanic, or because they weren't paying attention? Because you could say the same thing, just to play devil's advocate for a minute, you could say the same thing for a lot of music, um, you know, classes in school, either the band or the orchestra at school. I can tell you straight out that for every one devoted first chair student in an orchestra or, or a band, there are so many others where it's just a place to sit and dick around well and that's and the thing i wanted to bring up also and, actually and just try to fake it while you know the that's what i want to bring up like in my high school chorus class taking course was an excuse to hang out with girls and not have to do any work and the reason for yeah. that is because music I, I took art i didn't take music i took music appreciation for a semester but i took a lot of art oriented classes did uh, you appreciate it I actually did because of the way the class was set up. Yeah. It wasn't what you see as a standard music system in first, second, third grade, where you're going to learn this is a one note, this is another note, as I mime a trumpet. You're, you, you don't, you're just learning facts in that case. You're not actually learning music. You're learning how to reproduce music, but that's not learning music. 
Well, but yet it was called music appreciation. You'd think with a something called music appreciation, you should be listening to a lot of music. Did you? Yeah, did they play understanding excerpts? it. It's once again the regurgitation of facts. Except okay. in this case, well, I'm it's not anti facts because everyone should know. You know, if you're going into the music profession, well, even if you're not going into the music profession, if you should know. You any. should know what exists in the. Yeah. You should know the capabilities of music. You should know all the different types, and yet. Lost my train of thought. When it comes to when it comes to that music appreciation, you need to be exposed. I think that's first and foremost. Is that a lot of music classes? Hopefully, they have funding for music classes, and if you have funding, they can't just, as John said, regurgitate or um, or direct with the idea that the student should know what he's doing. Because I think this is also how we breed a generation of 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 students to to sort of disassociate themselves from music when they recall their band or high school band or high school or middle school orchestra days and they just think I didn't know what was going on you know the professor I mean the teacher was just moving his hand waving it in the air and I didn't know what the hell that meant because let's face it there are a lot of students in the classroom it's difficult to tackle a classroom and and teach each and every single one of them but I do think the time should be sent aside, and and it isn't it isn't always sent aside. But also, a lot of times it's just conduct and pray that they can reproduce this sheet music you're But also, out. we can't also clearly just blame the schools. I mean, when funding's being pulled, yes, that's a problem. But also, parents are just as important. You need to sit. Every parent should sit down with their kid after school and go over what they've learned, what they're learning, what they're going. But funding doesn't always affect that. And this is why I'm getting the devil's advocate side here. Funding does not affect that manner of teaching. But that's what There's I'm no s- funding that goes into right. the way you choose to teach your class. The only funding that you need, really, is just upkeep of the instruments. But I'm also saying it doesn't just fall on the teachers and the funding. It falls on the parents as well. Parents have to make these things, these staples, important. Because if you're raising your child, your environment is settling them to where they're going to be and where they're going to end up. And if you don't make music important to a child at a young age, they'll never think it's important. Or they'll find it important a different way. But having a strong family base and, and, and parenting base also helps that. I think that that comes down to is um, you shouldn't write your child's future you know, before, before they're born. Yeah. And I think a lot of parents do do that. They're like, oh, he's probably going to, you know, I want him to go in the science of math field. He'll go in the science of math field. Or maybe it'll be only music. Maybe you'll have an obsessive music uh, parent who says, no, my child's going to be a better musician than I am or play right alongside me. And you or- need to leave room for the other things. This is this is the age of free will. Almost, almost uh, <laughs> extreme free will. Like, yeah. super free will. So much that you can't run away from it. And... It, you need you need to let the child flourish. That means exposure to a variety of things, and that's I think how you produce the most educated child. Period is by introducing them to a little bit of everything. I mean, and just... and keep a keen eye on every single thing that he's enjoying or seems to have a knack for or well, a talent for, it's, and it's... then facilitate that for. And listen to them when they're talking, what they're telling you, what they like and what they don't like. Yeah, you divide it into physical and the mental. Right. And a healthy person does both. A healthy person will be active in some sort of way, whether they play sports or their jog or whatever. Just something that gives your body a chance to be different and creative. And right. the other aspect is mental. Whether it's a writer, uh, a musician, or someone Reading. who's just extremely good at manipulating numbers. A statistician can be creative. Well, you know, it's it, that's all true. I I agree with all that. At the same time, I'm just going to go right back 
to playing devil's advocate, you wonder why uh, schools are cutting funding. Could it be for that reason it, that they expect that kind of stuff to fall under the parents? Not every parent is a qualified professor in everything, but they know where to set. They they should be alert to the kind of things that a child is good at, and then facilitate a one-on-one relationship. Yeah, but you should where they can be a little bit more because you're just you're not going to get that in a school. You will never get a one-on-one relationship with a school unless you have a phenomenal music professor. Yes, but it's not the parent's job to give an introduction. That's the school's job. The parent's job is to facilitate the next step. Yes. But the basic learning of math, science, and music and English, you know, but all me- of these subjects, the basing, the groundwork is the job of the schools because they can mass Produce that. If you want kids to learn, whether it's on the arts or the sciences, you have to be able to connect the facts that they're learning to them, the real life, something. You could teach everybody in the world trigonometry. Nobody's going to use it unless they understand what trigonometry is good for. You can teach them about the history and when Columbus sailed. That's What's it good for? Show them what it is and actually good for. And I think that's, in, and uh, then you, on a whole, what so this education system is lacking Demystify is the subject, I think, is what yeah. it's all about. Give it I a real-world that, application. Of the, another or, reason why it, uh, the generation become disassociated from certain subjects. My favorite, it's too mysterious to them, they won't, they won't delve. My favorite classes were not the ones I was best in. They were the ones that had the most entertaining teachers. Not even subject-wise. Subject could be dry. Chemistry. Very dry subject. Loved my high school chemistry teacher because he was great. He got us involved. I remember one time he was teaching us about, I don't even remember, uh, uh, all the difference between a chemical bond and just putting stuff together. He took his hand, he shoved it in a group of thumbtacks and was bleeding and all these little things were stuck in his hand. And it was engaging. Like instantly, oh my god, he's bleeding. That's how he gripped us. He showed us something we'd never seen before. And from that moment on, that was the second day of class, I, w- I was paying attention. I was there every moment because he was just able to relate me to what I was learning. That, that's true. And yet I also want to make the distinction between music and a lot of these other subjects because it's true. Enter- entertaining and, and inspiring uh, students is important. But I do have to give a lot of um, a lot of credit to the music teachers out there because... Essentially what you're doing in a music classroom is you're giving every child a toy <laughs> and you're expecting them, you know, not to, to use it as a, as a tool. That's a, that's a rough transition yeah. because when you have a hold of this thing that makes noise, it, it's, it's, in, <laughs> it's in child's interest just to sort of play around with it for right. a while and that doesn't always mean utilizing it to the best of its capabilities. What you need to do as a music professor is go around one by one. And I'm not, I'm not even, you know, uh, I'm not disparaging any music professors or music teachers in my past, because I think uh, they all did pretty well, um, especially considering some of the students that I recall, which were pretty difficult to deal with. That's what I'm getting at, is that it's, sometimes it's the students who walk into that class. It, there's, there's a lack of respect these days. I know this is kind of a side point, but... It makes it a lot more difficult for a well-minded professor to try and instill something when they're met with such, you know, such animosity, almost, against the aspect of learning itself, which it seems, and this is where I become an old man, it seems there's, it's more prevalent. Um, lack of respect for 
people in authority. Well, also, which is why public schools, in my opinion, are getting a little bit too nice. Well, part of the problem is also, and that's a problem in this country, is teachers, service industry, retail are all treated like they're expected to do these things, not that they're doing a service. Yeah. It, they're looked down on like almost it's almost like looking at them like they're slaves to these professions that you're expected to do it so just do it i don't well, have to be nice there was to you. A, there was they a are... politician and i'm only going to get slightly political here uh i i want to say this was hillary clinton and you know for better or for worse she said this quote and and it could ring true it could also ring harrowing that it, it takes a society to raise a child on one hand yes it does. We're all about exposure, and every single person we come across is going to affect our lives in some way. It's half the parents. It's half the, it's half the school. At the same time, it will always start with the parents. Almost always start with the parents. In other words, if it doesn't start in the beginning, it's harder to instill later in life. Doesn't mean you shouldn't stop trying. But it's just like what you said, Matt, that you should not put all that weight on the teachers. They can do the best they can, but they can't transform a life in every single circumstance. Remember a few years ago they changed the SATs to include a written part? Yes, it went from and 1600 to 2400. Nobody knew how to take it because it was finally introducing our standardized be-all, end-all, are-you-going-to-college test. They introduced the ability to write. Not just regurgitating facts. It was finally a creative aspect on a test that was supposedly going to decide your fate. At the same time, when they introduced that, so many schools actually either ignored the writing scores or yeah. devalued the actual nature of the SATs well, as you know, a whole. What one reason was is actually because the writing section was... You're telling me that it was more about facilitating creativity and that's not what my experience was at all especially considering the way uh certain i did actually have a tutor the way the way he described and and several teachers of mine described that test and how i should prepare for it was almost painstakingly formulaic it didn't facilitate uh creativity in any degree it seemed to just be this is exactly how we want you to write this essay and if you stray you will be marked off and that's not too good in my opinion yeah. whether you did good or no, whether, you, or whether you didn't is almost irrelevant it's like okay well if you can regurgitate fine and if, if, if you can't well maybe not fine but maybe you're more creative who knows yeah but the who SATs as a full, full function are kind of archaic at this point anyway it's standard. It's yeah. it's a city and state standardized test. It's a federal standardized Most test. Most people don't even look at that anymore. Standardized tests have actually gone by the wayside. The most important thing that's going to get you to college is, is going a to, degree. Get a no, 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 college into, degree. No, the most important thing that gets you into college. Oh, you didn't listen to what I said. No, <laughs> is extracurricular. Meaning music. Meaning show you're meaning a well-rounded smart. person who has interests and is not. A tool of the system. A.K.A. not the facts you're learning in school. Well, is going to including, be, but showing interest in the facts in school. B, B is going to be your grades. And C is the letter. Is is the, the, the questionnaire they give you. Is that two to four trillion word page document you have to write about where do you see yourself in five years or... How? Why do you want to go to this college and all sorts of stuff like that? And that's where the most people 
fail to get into colleges because they don't know how to write. Not in an SAT sense, not in a essay sense, but in a way that someone reads and actually gets grit, puts a little check mark that says this person did something different. I'll tell you this, this is definitely a little bit of a roundabout conversation because we're proposing so many different things that we would like fixed or like more attention yeah. focused on and I'm gonna do it just one more time because of something that John just said. When it comes to writing and considering everything we just said about the SATs and about the letter and the essay that you have to write for college, the fact that many people do not know how to write around the nation I think is one of the saddest things but it comes not just back to creativity but also to facts and this is a different critique I have of the system is the fact that we seem to have abolished not abolished but really depressed the emphasis on on grammar school the fact that there is a grammar system and that you know barring all types of creativity whatsoever uh, that comes into play later you need to have grammar down first otherwise you're going to be taking liberties with the English language which are premature for the sake of someone else's understanding of it like their digestion of the words that you put on the paper that's first and foremost is that you need to make your ideas public you need to make it so that everyone around you can understand them that's what's important that's what defines you know people from a lot of other people if, if you don't know how to convey that's a problem it and that goes back to both English and music you can use a very simple vocabulary yet be deep enough but if you could, you could know all the words in the world, and if you don't know how to use them, you're like me. Yes. So now that we've gotten so fantastically tangential. No, this isn't tangential. This is all leading back to the basic idea it's, of it's education. We should system. fund this, better creation in our yeah, schools. The, re the reality and wrap up Creativity. of this is is music is important, but reality of it is everything is important and should be treated as equal. Liberal arts should actually be artistic. Yes. That that's what yes. I think it boils down to. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and that we need to pay more attention to this stuff because we're building a future, the future of this planet and this country, and it's kind of dismal on the greater outlook. I'm kind of... I'm kind of. We started I'm, off on a creative note, and yet I kind of concluded on a bit of a formulaic mathematical note when it comes to grammar. But, it, you know... It's true. Structure yeah. Structure is a foundation. Kinda, Create, creativity is the icing on the cake, and that will that is what will make you an individual. I'm kind of curious as to what the follow-up to the conceptual idea of VAR would be yeah. in the next Icelandic Hopelandic monstrosity of post-rock <laughs> on that note I really roses, Brandon. I really yes. need to laugh so Steve can you hit us with our latest spam mail oh spam it's spam time da, 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 da. <clears throat> all the saddest job involving hoarding is usually that the affected person can often be towards practically alterations in and also able to quit on or their loved ones, friends, and family at the same time, any contentment in the, or perhaps stuff. Microwave ovens, particularly the infrared ranges, are matched to the gain of rayonment to prepare things to eat while in the on-your-oven area. The most important it because usually and the the banking charter yacht throughout the new wave stove tops turbo compressor the oven is produced with plastic parenthesis vanity the entire high price then far more teppanyaki barbecue grills are perfect implementing to you when you are going by smaller excursions absent by toasteroven 
there was a disconnect somewhere, and I missed the transition. This A to B didn't work at all. Really? Because as far as my lungs are concerned, there was no disconnect. <laughs> it was one big thing. <laughs> no, I'm seeing it, it's more like a round than anything else. Oh yeah, like it, like it repeats itself, and then more sections are introduced when it repeats. Yeah, itself. no, it starts with the section. Stop! About, just stop! About, just stop! About stuffs and restates no. it as the microwave no. oven, and eventually becoming. And, Becoming the turbo compressor oven. And, and there was a theme there. There was a theme. I, I refuse I to, the theme. I refuse but, to musically break down the spam email. I refuse. Shut up. The baseline preposition Toasterovenspicks.com would be no, very the, uh, displeased by your... I don't the care. Base, the baseline preposition work was just terrible, though. Anyway... Um, <laughs> on that note, let's, uh, let's, yeah. let's, 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 let's get to next week. So next week is my pick mm. and I'm deciding to go with something that, you know, I don't think any of my co-hosts are happy with. We're going to do the new Nine Inch Nails record called Hesitation Marks. It's their first record in a while. Trent Reznor took a break. Hesitation to... Marks? Yep. Like question marks and exclamation marks. Well, this is Hesitation Marks. Yes. I see. Um, it's... Is that an ellipsis? That's exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. So um, they, they could have he, saved themselves letters. Anyway, Trent Reznor <laughs> taking a break from being Nine Nails to do solo composition for Social Network and Black Ops and a, a bunch of other video games and 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 movies to All do. All them other media. Yeah, he's done other stuff. But I mean, since Nine Nails is pretty much just Trent Reznor, he does all the writing and performing in the studio. He only has a live band to do everything else. Um, it should be interesting. I mean, I, I can't. I honestly don't foresee it being very different from his past work. So we'll see. But um, that's my pick for next week. We've got uh, Painless Parker coming up at the end of the month, which I'm excited about. Is that it? We good? Can we wrap it up and go home? You are home. That's true. That's true. You're very yes. much home. Anyway, on that note, music is life, and, and life, life is, is good. good.